Hello and welcome to the Endurance Coach Podcast. My name is Mark Laithwaite and I'm here today with my co-hosts, ultra runner and sports psychologist, Dr. Ian Bordley, and also with sports injury specialist, Mike James, aka the Endurance Physio. Each week, we'll be telling you what's new in the world of endurance sports. We're going to have some amazing guests on the show and we'll be discussing how you can reach your true potential on race day. So sit back and relax. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good uh, Good morning, good afternoon. What time is it? Eight minutes past 12, officially. So good afternoon, boys. Good afternoon. We are back for our first New Year podcast. Um, I'm not going to say we should do this regularly because we always say that. The only thing I say regularly is we should do this regularly. Um, but we are back with a vengeance and a, with, a, with a, an objective to do a regular podcast now for 2023. <laughs> Um, first of all, uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, because we haven't spoken since, have we? Uh, Ian, did you have a good Christmas, good New Year? Anything memorable? Uh, we had a week in the lakes, which is always nice, just before Christmas, and uh, arrived back on uh, Christmas Eve, which might have been a little bit manic, getting everything ready uh, on the last day, but it was worth it to have a week in the lakes before, even if it did rain most days. Um, and then yeah, I was back at, back home for New Year, which is uh, we, but we enjoyed it with the family. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, that's a bit dramatic. Going away for a week and only coming back on Christmas Eve. It was a bit tight. But, uh, yeah, exciting, exciting. Uh, Mike, anything for you? Yeah, great. Didn't didn't land on Christmas Eve like Santa, <laughs> Mr. Bordley there. But uh, the kids were in school right up until the end this year. It was like two days before they broke up. So that made the dynamic of Christmas a little bit different. So we ended up having the big chunk of time off after the new year, which was nice. But um, but Christmas certainly last few years is very much uh, kids. The grandparents all come round. It's it's joyous every year to watch them fast asleep from two o'clock every, every year. <laughs> but uh, no, it's all about enjoying the kids. And then we caught up on some exercise and activity as a family to get rid of some of those chocolates but uh but no wonderful in its own way my family christmases now obviously aren't everybody's cup of tea these days but um but nice and quiet and and focusing on the kids is is all i try and do these days yeah yeah i think if you've got kids and it's it's generally hard to do anything other than that isn't it really but, uh, yeah, well it's it's funny i always so i personally now and, and i always share this story but up until kids, my tradition was always Christmas morning run. It would be entering some sort of festive themed races and runs over Christmas and New Year. And now I, I, I almost don't plan a training week over Christmas. I do what I get a chance to do and I'm happy with that. So my coached athletes in the weeks building up to it, I'll always email them and say, do you want to continue with a structured plan over Christmas? Do you want me to give you a free week? Or, or in some cases, they like to double down and do more. But I just give them the option. And the ones who uh, either don't have kids, have got grown up kids or are just not that Christmassy, 
they literally send this gobsmacked reply back, well, I'm going to batter myself for the next 10 days. How dare you even offer that I take a week off? And um, and it always gets a good good reaction from some. Yeah, I think that's uh, I can I can certainly concur with that. See, a lot of people uh, use that time to you know they've got the, the days off. They want to be out on the bike or out running and so on. But uh, yes, each to their own. Each to their own. You've got to do what suits your own lifestyle, haven't you? So uh, it's just balancing it, isn't it? I think my mileage was probably down a little bit. Christmas week, but I did get I did get to parkrun on Christmas Day, but I ran it with Emily, so our daughter, so that that certainly helps. You sort of balance with the family, and I was dressed as an elf, so that's I was yeah. still in the Christmas spirit. And <laughs> um, what about New Year's resolutions? Any New Year's resolutions there, Mike? I don't. I never make them because I never stick to them. So mm-hmm. in the last few years, what I've always sort of tried to do is focus on doing the things that went well the year before more consistently yeah i really sort of i review a lot and what worked let's do more of that rather than trying to add new stuff in all the time yeah um and as i'm sure we may we may touch on our discussion later that i think most people just bite off more than they can chew and make them unrealistic anyway so um yeah it's it's maybe a a first quarter resolution yeah it seems a very sensible boring way to look at it but uh, where do i want to be in march what, then review in March, where does that take me for June, so on, so on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Ian, any new resolutions? Uh, it, not not resolutions as, as such. Um, I am doing dry January for the first time. I don't generally do that um, just because, um, well, Vicky does it, so I thought I would, and she's done it for the last two or three years, so I thought I would join her, but um, it's not really a New Year's resolution, but yeah, that seems to be going okay. Um, Training-wise, I'd had a sort of a bit of a rough end to the year because I got COVID in October and I got just before London Marathon and probably unwisely took the decision to run it um, when I was still had sort of and I I was negative I was testing negative but I still had some of the, my chest was still problematic and that probably meant that it took me longer to recover from it afterwards so yeah. it's it's now getting back to yeah my sort of objective for london now london's moved back to april is to sort of get back to where i was for manchester last year which is fairly close to my top level so it's not really a new year's resolution as you would normally see it but certainly um as a a goal for the early part of the year and then for the for the year itself probably going to do something so i've got my usual sort of london and and later 100 but I, I am still i'm 50 this year so I, I want to put something in that's a bit different and um so i'm still deciding what that might be but there will be something it might be an iron man um so it might be a return to triathlon or it might be an even longer ultra later in the year we'll see but yeah so that's there as sort of a as a, a very vague objective at the moment but what that would be i'm not sure yet it's all it's all very very kind of from both of you it's all a very kind of just sport orientated and just a bit bit dull i was hoping for one of you to like to say something like you're going to wear leopard print once a week or something like that I already do that. Like, yeah, like I say, I'm going to do the things that work well consistently. That's a gimme in. I'm in my leopard print pants now. So. Nice, nice. Yeah. Ian's still dressed as an elf. Yeah. Mm, well, <clears throat> New Year. I mean, well, what can we say about New Year's resolutions? This is the time when everybody joins the gym, isn't it? And then stops after a month. This is the time when everybody gets back on the bandwagon in terms of training and starts cracking on for events this summer. And uh, it is the traditional 
motivation time of the year. What's interesting actually for us from organising stuff at Epic Events, so from Boxing Day onwards, Boxing Day to like the second week of January is our biggest period for event entries, which is, I guess that's something you would probably expect, but it is quite interesting to look at the number of entries. We can have triple the number of entries in this last two to three weeks than we would have in any other two or three week period throughout the year. And it starts, you'd be interested with this one, it starts usually about lunchtime on Boxing Day. (laughs) We have strategic emails and posts go out because we know around lunchtime on Boxing Day, people are sat there going, I really need to do something now. So we start firing them emails, why not enter this triathlon? But yeah, so lots of people clearly, we've had had good response. Do you know we talked last year about event numbers being down and things like that. We've had really, really good response to events this year. Triathlons are slow, I have to say. Triathlon entries are quite slow at the moment. I think triathlon as a sport is down. Um, And I think that's probably going to be, I don't see that getting much better this year. But for swims and trail races and stuff, yeah, I've got a trail race this weekend and 30% more people than we've ever had in it before. So there's clearly a lot of people want to take part in events. Um, so uh, but on that subject, we are going to talk today, aren't we, about training mistakes, common mistakes that people can make when they start their training in January. Interesting um, on, that, so- on that point, Mark, about the uh, offering event entries over that week, mm-hmm. how far calendar-wise are they able to enter races? Right through the 12 months or only for... Yeah, we, we I mean, people... As you know, people will plan their season, you know, six, nine months in advance. So all our events are open through to September 2023 because people are looking at events now for the summer. You know, so yeah. the stereotypical one is someone's entered an Ironman, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd but love to know. Maybe I'll do a half Ironman or something, you know, before. Yeah. So they start looking now and planning the yeah, year. Yeah. I'd love to know what percentage of Boxing Day entries will defer DNS those big races back end of the year? I don't, I, I just think, I think what tends to happen as well, I think it's a bit, bit, been like bottled up because traditionally um, entries are low in the first few weeks of December. So we have a drop off in entries at the beginning of December. And I think people have probably got other things on the mind. They're building up to Christmas. November um, November is for, for the running shop and the bike shop are, is always the worst month. And going into the first two weeks of December, I mean, okay, people want Christmas bikes and stuff like that, but it's a very quiet period that season's finished. People are just mulling stuff over, not really doing anything. And then they, they kind of then kick back on like, you know, from, from Boxing Day onwards. Um, but a lot of the entries, like a lot of the entries we took from Boxing Day onwards were for January, February, March events. The, so, uh, the credit card for Christmas has come in as well. Yeah. Uh, Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the events that are taking place in June, July, Entries are still quite low for those, so we're not we're not stacking them up for the summer events yeah. yet. But um, but the very early season events, the numbers are quite quite high. People are entering stuff now for January, February, March, um, and getting like a, you know yeah getting a good response, getting good numbers. So so yeah, lots of good stuff, lots of good stuff. Uh, and I just said so people start jumping back into the training now, don't they? And start making um, common errors, and that's something we're going to talk about in today's podcast. That's the topic of today's podcast. You know how can you very uh, intelligently um, start your training plan and what are the common errors that people make but before we move on to that we have of course got the um the tradition that is known as tweets of the week now mike did i win the last one didn't i you did i think that's probably the only one i've ever won isn't it it is yeah i'm struggling because i don't think i've sent three tweets in the last three weeks um but i think we should start 2023 uh, start 2023 on the right note 
and we should open with tweets of the week. Now, have you two got your tweets lined up already? I have got some. Yeah, in case people are listening to this for the first time don't know what tweets of the week is, it's an utterly pointless game where you've just got to review your um, last three tweets that you've put out on Twitter, of course, and you have to review them and explain them and you have to do it in as close as 60 seconds as possible, not two seconds under or two seconds over, but bang on 60 seconds. And the closest person to 60 seconds is the winner. Uh, Mike usually wins, uh, but we do believe that Mike is probably looking at the clock when he's doing it. Um, so, uh, um, do, Mike, do you want to go first and set the standard? And Ian, are you going to time him? Yeah, I'll time him. Okay. You can write three tweets. Yeah, Mike, you're in Ian's uh, incapable hands now. <laughs> no probs. Good. I'm just I'm just about to send three tweets while you're doing this. <laughs> are you ready, Mike? Yep. Three, two, one, go. Cool. So tweet number one um, was a, a retweet from our former guest, Jess Piasecki. The UK uh, athletics rankings came out for, for 2022, and she's officially... UK's number one female marathon runner of the year. So, so it was an acknowledgement to her of all her success. My second tweet was one I posted, which is a repost of an old video I did about people trying to go on a mission to get the perfect squat technique. And a lot of the time they find that hard to achieve. And my video was basically just reinforcing that everybody's anatomy is slightly different and that we may not be able to achieve the perfect tweet, uh, perfect tweet, perfect squat. Uh, and then finally, it was another retweet. Daniel Rowland posted some really good stuff and he's posted a really long thread on how to pre prepare for the UTMB. A lot of insightful links and videos and stuff that, that will be very useful and helpful to people entering that race or anything similar. And that is me. Well, we've moved into a new year, but some things don't change, do they? So that was one minute, one second, point eight. What is the point now in going? <laughs> <laughs> you know he's looking at the clock, don't you? <laughs> I was looking down the whole time. <laughs> I've been practicing since nine. Okay, Mike. Well, at least when Mike does that, it means we can just chat when we're doing ours and not worry about how long we take. Just enjoy myself. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, I, the the mirror needs to just be flicked around yourselves. It's the 48 seconds you take on tweet one that always shoots you both in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not a good tactic? I would. Well, it, it's not seemed to be working that well so far. <laughs> Maybe that should be our New Year's resolution to uh, practice tweets of the week more. <laughs> um, so, Ian, you're next. Uh, Mike is going to time you. Yep. Cool. You ready? Yeah. Three. Two, one, go. So my first was a retweet by uh, someone called Cindy Kuzner, which was about an article that's written for Runners World. Uh, it's about how top college running programs in the US are now moving away from body composition testing, which I thought was really interesting, but also really positive because we know the negative effects that can have for eating disorders and other mental health issues. Second one was uh, another retweet is by Dustin Jauber, um, who'd been working with a guy called Jeffrey Benz on some research on highly cushioned, basically vapor, 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 vapor flies, um, but looking at how they affected running economy at slower speeds. And they found that the, uh, the positive effect was lower at slower speeds. So at 10 and 12 kilometers is about 1%, not you know, the th three to 4% that we see at faster paces. Uh, and then the last one was just a very Merry Christmas from the 
um, Mountain Rescue just wanted to highlight the important work they do. And they were out at four, about two hours past midnight on New Year's Eve, I believe. And that's me. Ooh, not bad, not bad. 65 seconds, dead on. That might be a PB. Did you see um, they brought a Vaporfly version out in a trail form now as well? No, I hadn't seen yeah. that. I think it's coming out, sorry, rather than out, but there's pictures oh, okay. around and, and it's around. But, uh, but it's, I know a couple of other brands have them, don't they? So yeah. Hoker have a carbon bladed one and uh, North Face do. North Face brought out first. Saucony. Saucony as well, I think, but I didn't know an will bring one. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Don't understand how that works because surely the, the kind of storage of energy and then the transfer of energy requires something firm to be run on. You know, so you're landing on soft surfaces, so you're losing all the energy. But I think I think as well, just the obviously the consistency in the data running on a road is is probably relatively uniform, race to race. Mm. But the difference in trail terrain and elevation and route stuff is going to make it far harder to quantify what those think, benefits may be. I yeah. think, yeah, it's quantifying is definitely going to be difficult. I think the target might be the US market. I haven't run any ultras in the US, but I understand that quite often the trails are a lot kinder than they might be in the yeah. UK. Yeah, I guess it's like a hard pack trail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It might be worth it. But yeah, I would be, what concerns me is that when you, anyone that's running them in a road version, you know that if you've got if you hit a disturbance in the path or the road, your ability to react to that tends to be quite limited, and also they can be a bit unstable as well. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they're interested to see how they try to manage that, uh, mitigate that. Mm. You finished tweeting yet, Mark? No, I, I'm just going to have to pick some some tweets I've done in the last two months. <laughs> <laughs> I did some in December, so I'll use the ones in December. Yeah. Tweets of the last financial year by Mark Lakeway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you good to go? I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Three, two, one, go. Uh, my first tweet uh, is about, well, we mentioned it earlier that triathlon numbers are down. And uh, I personally just think that the triathlon has been very fortunate. I will call it the Brownlee boom. There's been a boom in, in the last... 10 years off the back of the Brownlee brothers. And I think that that's been in decline for the last few years. And my question really is what the national governing body doing about it. Whilst it sounds very critical, I just don't think the national governing body really have a strategy. And uh, I think they need to pull the finger out a little bit. My second tweet is the fact that we're going to Lanzarote in three weeks time on a training camp. Uh, We're going to Sands Beach for nine nights. And uh, we've still got three places left if anybody wants to join us. So I'm going to slip that one into tweets of the week. Come and do triathlon training with us in three weeks' time. Get some sunshine. And my third tweet is um, at, just at the end of December at the primary school where my girls go, I DJ'd the Christmas disco dressed as the Grinch. And my girls didn't know until I unveiled myself at the end of the disco. And their reaction was some kind of combination of surprise, horror, and then extreme anger that I had been watching them all night. That's me done. Nice, nice. Just a couple of under under sixty nine seconds. <laughs> not bad, not bad off the cuff. Oh, I, I thought it was about ninety seconds. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. that, that might be the first time that we've all been under seventy seconds. Right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's. I think it's the smallest spread between the three times as well. Yes. So. Um, so. <laughs> so. <laughs> Which January's here and training plans. Everybody's cracking on. 
Mm. Just a, an interesting one on, on one of your tweets there about entries. Mm. Um, I did chat to a group of triathletes, a club, uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas. We were chatting about planning your race calendar, so on, so on. And a lot of them were very much saying that um, they've stepped up in distance generally as a club. There's more people doing halves and full Ironmans. And obviously the costs of those are slightly higher than the smaller races, shorter races, I should say. And as a result, most of their race selection is that this is my budget for the year. Right. That could have been spread over five to ten shorter course races, but now it's over one or two longer ones. So it's not that they're losing interest in racing as much. It's that their budget is fixed. And as as they go up, they, they have less to share, share around. And I'm sure that's the case for that group. But what you would see across pretty much every event organiser at every distance, numbers are down. Mm. Man numbers are down. Outlaw numbers are way down. You know, yes. the outlaws are really struggling. Cheaper sprint distances are down. More expensive Ironman are down. Middle distance are down. Everything is down. So, so whichever way you look at it, I'm sure that's happening. That people are maybe switching to different races and they've got a budget and so on. But right across the board, participation numbers in events is definitely, definitely down. And How much is outlaw down? Ah, oh, they were down a lot, weren't they? I think didn't one of the. I mean, they cancelled one of the half Ironman races last year. Yeah. And then um, I know they ran one of them. And they'd, this year, in 2022, they ran one of them with 600 competitors and they'd had 1,600 the year before. Um, and then um, I know Ian Hamilton put a post out, didn't Ian Hamilton, who's been around for many, many years, who founded Outlaw, put a post on his Facebook page saying that uh, he's never had to do this before. And he put a discount out for entries, which caused a bit of a stir because people had already entered. And he did a Black Friday deal and people were saying, well, hang on a sec, we've already entered and now you're doing a Black Friday deal. So we've paid more. And yeah, um, and and I, I, yeah, so I I just and 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 it's not just him. It's it's all it's all tri- triathlon numbers are all down. So I mean I, I do think the national governing body have had it easy to some extent because there was that real boom. I don't think they had to do much, and it's just been happening. And now that boom has disappeared. I think perhaps you know during that boom time they perhaps should have been planning ahead a little bit. And uh, I think it's probably caught them out now. And and I, I'm not sure there is a strategic plan to be honest. I think cost of living is probably going to hit that, uh, triathlon as a sport more as well, just because the overall cost of triathlon, you've got three disciplines. Cycling itself is quite expensive, so people might look to you know, other sports where it's going to be less costly and race entries are higher as well. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, the trail races and some of the ultra races, um, you know, they've had no problems filling numbers with, with some of the entry prices for trail races are higher than some of the triathlons that we organise. And um, people having not as much problem filling those events. Um, you know, we organise um, some swimming events, open water swimming events with, with some cheaper ones and lower entry fees and some prestige ones with higher entry fees. And the ones with the higher entry fees are filling quicker and filling yeah. by far more popular. So oh, you've yeah, seen that trend everywhere. But what, what, how, whichever way we look at it, we organise swim, cycle, run and triathlon events, all four disciplines. Um, whichever way we look at it, triathlon is the one. Whatever debate you want to put in there about cost of living or entry fees and whatever, triathlon is the one that's the entry fees are lowest. So that's what that's where it is. But you know, I would say maybe maybe there was a bit of a boom and now it's come down to the, to a new norm and that's what it is. You know, you can't compare against a boom period, can you? No. 
So, um, but yeah, but you can still enter Ironman Wales, and uh, you can certainly still enter Ironman UK. You can enter Ironman UK up until the day last year, but Ironman Wales has always filled quite quick, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's normally jam packed already. Yeah, there was a big buzz this year about you know early entries opening and stuff like that, and it's still open. Yeah. So, you know, it shows, doesn't it? It shows. Yeah, I know. Certainly, down here, there's uh, there's far less buzz talk about Ironman Wales than there normally is. Mm, yeah. It's far quieter. Yeah, yeah. So, but it is what it is, really. It's just you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not good or bad. It's just different, isn't it? Just got to adapt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what happens. Trends and ebbs and flows and whatever else you just got to go with it really yeah yeah it's, it's good that the other sports are still getting good solid entries you know uh, and hopefully this there can be a solution for triathlon but it, i guess in some ways it'd be even more concerning if all sport you know if all the endurance disciplines were down absolutely i mean that was the thing we were talking last year and saying participation across the board is down everything well we're seeing like the trail running events for example for us are all up yeah that's good you know, considerably up. So participation isn't down. Triathlon's down. And I think, as always, if you're listening to this on the podcast and you've got thoughts or comments or want to share what your take on all of this is, whichever one of us posts it on our social media, stick a stick a comment below and and tell us what your two pence is regarding all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So what are we on January? January mistakes. Yeah. Mike, this was your suggestion, so you can kick it off. What are your? It thoughts? is, it is, yeah. It was, it was. Um, I think it's a, it's a good one to talk about. Um, it was in the forefront of my mind based on uh, I did a webinar on it last week. Every, every January, I normally put on a, a webinar to do, and I call it something along the lines of New Year, New Training, Same Mistakes, and um, and rather it being just a list of you are going to make these mistakes do them this way it's very much trying to explore why people make these mistakes so um so that's what i thought we could chew the fat on for for half hour or so and um and i and i guess um, my overarching thing with it all is that motivation is such a brilliant driver this time of year we've we've mentioned it ourselves earlier and, and most people turn up this time of year with a, a steely-eyed focus on what they want to do until the spring and and part of it is just trying to understand that you you're building the foundations of the house not the um putting the roof on and the windows in and and, and some people do go all the classic mistakes too much too soon too hard now of course for some if, if you're listening and you're been training through the christmas period because you're planning for something or you are laid the foundations a bit earlier then perhaps this isn't as, as pertinent but it's the it's the people who got off the sofa on the first of Jan and went right, time to hit the hit the treadmill, the bike, the pool, and get get ready for stuff. And um, it's about controlling what we're doing to to be able to keep doing it. What we don't want to do on on uh, the first of March is feel lethargic, lackluster, potentially injured, um, and and the wheels have fallen off because we just made these mistakes now and and pretty much for me a, a lot of the mistakes is just trying to change too much too soon mm. so it's the people who may um that they their training plan i always call it this time of year is idealistic not realistic so it's the people who don't get up in the mornings and go training and now suddenly trying to train five days a week at 6 a.m that's not going to be sustainable maybe once a week fine great you know if it if it's the 
Um, I run three times a week and I do 5K. Now I'm going to run three times a week and do 10K. Well, why don't you do five, two and a half Ks or add one more 5K in or something? So it's it's really just trying to get sense and, and a progressive plan this time of year. Nobody sets out at this time of year to muck themselves up or sabotage themselves. It's all best intention mistakes. Um, and of course, sometimes people have a coach and the coach maybe gets a bit ambitious with them. So there's there's two people who need to look at it from that side. But if it's a self-coached, I follow a generic plan, I've downloaded a plan, it's it's just being realistic of thinking about, I always, I think it's Alan Cousins who always mentions it on Twitter, but endurance athletes generally overestimate what we can do in the short term and underestimate in the long term. So my number one strategy that I always advise people is to, re, before you start your training this time of year, review your old training so you can see what worked well last year can you do it again this year what maybe needs to be improved what mistakes you made last year did i hit the ground and do too much volume in the first eight weeks and potentially now i can do a bit less because i'll still get to where i want to be so um so that would always be my biggest one i got lots more but uh, but what do you guys think on that one i think just off the off the back of that last uh Point you made there, Mike. I, I completely agree. I mean, obviously, reviewing your training for the last year is, is really important. But I think alongside that, especially this time of year, is reviewing what you've done for the last six weeks as well, mm. because that's what your body is adapted to and what your body understands. Uh, quite often, it's our uh, it's our heart and our head that's leading what we're doing at this time of year, especially if they're driven by um, uh, New Year's resolutions. And quite often, sometimes those resolutions can be coming from other people as well and sort of things that you've heard other people have taken on um other objectives <clears throat> rather than ones that are personal to you and what we know from goal setting theory and research is that you know when we personalize our goals to ourselves then it's much more likely that we're going to stick to it but also we're going to get a lot more from it um if we achieve them so you know reviewing that last six weeks and then incrementally improve you know increasing the uh, the stress on the body is really what we should be looking to do rather than some big wholesale change that is something that we can tell people about and maybe post on social media as a new year's resolution but isn't necessarily what our what our bodies need um and, and what we need for our long-term development and i think alan cousins that he mentioned put something out very much along these lines quite recently which is you know whenever he sort of writes a training program for someone and it's the same for myself what i really I want to know where they want to get to, but I also want to know what they've done most recently because that's really your start point for for the training. Yeah. Building. Yeah. And and I always think a, a good example this time of year of this thing done right or wrong is the run every day challenges. Mm. You know, some people chastise them and hate them, and they can be a nightmare. I've I've had so many people in the clinic over the years because uh, they did nothing for December. And now want to run every day and not only do they want to run every day they want to do a mile on the first two miles on the second three miles on the third it's just the 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 easy mistake people make but then you'll see others who'll go okay well i'm gonna have an easier december but i know i'm gonna try red january so i'll walk every day or Mm -hmm. i'll 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 run less but i'll run more often and do smaller runs and i'll just lay the foundation so that that gulf the spike gulf from what I'm been doing to what I'm doing is is just realistic, not idealistic. We'd all love to run 
a massive month in, in Jan and put that volume in the bank. But if we haven't started the account and put some pennies in first, we're going to get caught out. Mm. That was definitely one. So I've got that written down in front of me, streaks versus clear goals, because people often like they want to get a streak started. But it's really about understanding why you're doing that and what, where's that looking to lead to. Because uh, the, the problem I often see with streaks is that they end up being the object you know the objective in themselves in the end they're not leading to something else and then it's just about running again the next day and I think if that motivates people and people are happy with that and that's what they want to just get to a point where they're running every day and they do adjust the um the intensity early on so that the body can accommodate it and then you adapt properly and then obviously you can then maybe start looking at increasing the volume of those ones each day after you've kept the streak going for a long time if that is what people want, then I think they can be effective. But quite often people are doing them when actually they've got other goals that they're setting for themselves. And in, in that case, you, I think you need to review whether trying to set that type of objective um, is going to be optimal for your training because ultimately it starts to take over because you prioritizing getting a run in rather than what your body might need on that day. Yeah, yeah. Num- number one, um... Number one reason run streak injuries end up in my clinic is because the real motivator was weight loss. Yeah, that that was that was what was driving them to run every day. Is they right? I'm going to lose a stone for summer, and I'm going to run every day to do it. That that's that's the. But they made no change to their diets. They've just tried to run that's it just, off. That's what I was going to say. So I read a book last year by. Uh, I'm forgetting his Christian name, but Posner's his surname, and it was um, very much, it's called Burn, uh, and it's all about um, how the body adapts to our um, training to accommodate. So regardless of how much training you do, your body will adapt um, and accommodate that. So your metabolic rate and so on will, will adapt so that you still don't need to take that many more calories in. So the bottom line is, I mean, it's really difficult to lose weight without adjusting your diet. Um, but people will often prefer to go for a run than try and change their diet because we, we can get emotionally attached to food. Yeah. But if we accept that from the outset and and we are you know, dead set on losing some weight, then we probably need to accept quite early on that there will need to be some adjustment to the diet to do that. Mm. Uh, but people don't like to hear that. Cause it's, no, because again, they massively overestimate the calorie burn of, of exercise. Yeah. And they massively underestimate what they think they're eating. Yeah, and we generally feel we generally feel good after exercise. So telling ourselves that we're going to add in some exercise is a much easier thing for us to accommodate psychologically than saying that I'm going to take away something that does give me pleasure, which is you know certain foods. Mm. So it's difficult. Yeah. And I think when when we're on about the planning and the scaling it up that reverse engineering nobody does it and it's such a simple and effective thing to do so you'll look at someone who's maybe week one in jan of of a a spring marathon and they'll go out and do three four miles and be hanging out and they go oh my god how am i going to run 26 miles in 12 weeks 14 weeks or whatever it is but if they suddenly just go well okay 26 miles mid-april means i need to probably be doing 18 to 20 miles end of march 14 to 15 miles by Feb, maybe 8 to 10 miles behind the Jan. Okay, actually, I'm halfway to where I need to be in the next three weeks. 
So now suddenly, if I'm only focusing on six miles next week, eight miles, then 10 miles, and I'm, it's not the fear, the panic, the, the dread that sets in for most people. And the motive, while this motivation is super high and it's not a habit created, it's more motivation, then they're likely to push through and do the, the nonsensical, irrational decisions. Oh, well, if I'm struggling with four miles today, I better run eight miles tomorrow and make up for it then. So um, so reverse engineer those things. And then in that goal setting, I'm a big fan of anti-goals at this time of year. So, you know, what other things that you know have sabotaged you in the past or likely to sabotage you now? Can you make a list of things you're absolutely not going to do? So you, we know you want to run more. We know you want to do this. We know you want to do that. But and it could be, you know, don't do the extra session at the end. Don't do the extra mile. Don't go to the biscuit tin when I get back, because that's just going to make me want to run more the next day and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I've even had athletes this week that I'm working with that I've one of their anti goals for Jan is don't go on social media. You know, focus on the plan at hand and what our goals are for Jan and don't worry what everyone else is doing, because by their own admission, they're athletes that tend to get um, emotionally affected by what they're seeing other people do or think they see other people do. So we've come off Strava for the, or we've hidden on Strava for a month and we're not watching other people's records and we're not watching Instagram to see how far or how fast someone else has run. Um, so the anti-goals can be a real powerful thing as well. Mm. It's difficult, isn't it, as well? This, like this, so this time of year, there's a, there's a whole range of people, isn't there? I mean, if, if people want to be better in 2023 than they were in 2022, I mean, I, I, obviously, again, it goes back to what you said earlier, is it depends what you did. What was your previous training last year in 2022? But you really have to be stepping it up from October, November through December into January, don't you? Because we're triathlon. We're going to be, we're in mid-Jan now. So we've got February, March, April, May. There's only 16 weeks and we're into the season. So, you know, there are, there are open water races in 16 weeks time. So we're, we're actually quite close now. Um, but um, the really serious people have been absolutely smashing it since October, November to make that step up. So in January, the further on than they were in the previous January, and then they've got this 16 to 20 weeks through to spring before the races start. And then, of course, the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who really haven't done anything probably since September and are starting now in January and need to get back into a routine. Um, and to be honest, I think there's probably more people have, uh, that have come across recently as fit into that latter category. I think it's always the same people that you know who are motivated all year round. But the uh, that you know that second category of people just kind of getting kickstarted themselves in January, that that uh, population, if you like, seems to be growing in numbers year on year, as far as I can see. Mm. And um, I think what I would say it goes back to what we spoke about in one of our podcasts. We had a conversation about motivation. I, I don't think the training plan is the is the issue for a lot of people. The issue is them just getting off their asses and being motivated to do it. And that's the same with everything, isn't it? You know, people that you meet who want to start a running plan or they want to go on a diet or whatever it may be, the ability to motivate yourself and to stick to do it every day is the hard bit. Training isn't that complicated. You can write down a training plan in 30 seconds and give it to someone on a piece of paper. The difficult bit is that 
uh, is getting out of the door and doing it consistently. And then it's raining the next day and you look out the window and think, I won't go out today. And I think at this time of year, that's the really hard bit. It's the psychology of it. It's getting around, getting your head around that and being motivated and wanting, not forcing yourself because you know you have to run today, you have to swim today. It's being excited about it, you know, wanting to go out and train. And I think if you can manage that, if you can get to that point where you want to go out and train, then you will get that consistency and you will, you know, it, the, the end result, obviously, you will get that performance. So I think that's where I see a lot of people struggling this time of year. It's more that psychology of wanting to go out which then brings the consistency. And I think that's probably the thing they need to tackle. Yeah. And again, it's it's the, they beat themselves up about it because they're trying to strive for perfection, not progress at this time of year. Yeah. So if, if it's cold, wet and dark and you open that door after work and you think, oh my God, I got a 10K at 75% effort. Or I, I need to go and do 2K in the pool at six in the morning. It's just it's idealistic and and of course a year's training and train through next christmas and that might be absolutely realistic next season or at some point in this season it's realistic but for now it might even be look if you get up right now i'll use myself as an example so i'm the 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 sort of uh, loop all out or the loop i found myself stuck in in the last 18 months is uh, because I'm racing far less, my consistency of training is down. I can have great weeks, then crap weeks. I can train four or five days consecutively, and then stuff will pop up, and maybe I'll have three or four days I don't do much. So my only um, aim for the next three to four months training-wise is to do something more days than I don't. So I've gone in, in my gym at home some mornings, and I've done 50 press-ups, 50 squats, 50 sit-ups, and I've walked out. And right now, for me, that's a tick in the win column because I I wouldn't have done it this time last year. What I'm not trying to go and do is go, right, I'm going to go in and do 5,000 of each or I'm going to go and try and run 10 miles tonight. If I can get out and do a walk run for an hour, for example, on a Tuesday night, I wasn't doing that last year on a Tuesday night this time of year. Mm. So it's it's just being being sort of, you know, motivation's fine, but it's it's got limitations. And if you are motivated, but not motivated to actually get out and do it, you'll end up frustrated about it. Then you'll chase those sessions. You'll chase and play catch up. Then you'll spike your training load too much. It's it's really simple stuff that, you know, affects us all. I don't think it, it, it's nothing. It's not um, compatible to certain populations of athletes or, or abilities. It's it's everyone. Mm. Um, so it is just a case of, of being sensible with it. And I think you hit a really good point, Mark, when you said, some of those people have been hitting it hard since October. Everything went, we could reframe this and just say new training plan, same mistakes. It's the same concepts. What, you know, if you've if you've come through a summer of triathlon, you've had a six-week downtime, and as you say, you're ramping it back up more traditionally October time. It's the same advice we give to you then when you've had six weeks down is manage your, your return and think where you want to be in Jan and Feb. So you take it easy November, December, whereas now we're saying manage what you do in Jan, Feb, March. So May, June, July, you can absolutely kick forward and, and do what you want. I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier, Mike, where I think it was Alan Cousins, you were quoting when people sort of overestimate what they can do on a daily basis and underestimate what you can do long term. And it's what you do long term that's going to be, really get you to improve as an athlete. 
Um, and, and what you said there about sort of what, what, when you go into um, your garage into the gym in, in the morning and uh, you know if you if you've done three sets or you know, three exercises and and that's a win compared to someone who feels as though for it to be meaningful or successful I have to do something impressive it made me think about a blog post that I read the other day and it was a someone said oh I did 100 burpees a day and this is what uh, for a week and this is what I found it's interesting to read because like first few days they were like really struggling to, to motivate themselves to do the next set and but and they were really sore and then by day four and five they were feeling much better and then actually by day seven they could do it and it showed how the bot and like when you see someone doing a ultra marathon streak at the moment as well you might have seen on social media and yeah you know, she said similar and you, often when you see these really long um trail races that people do they really suffer in the early days and then the body accommodates and sometimes gets over quite serious injuries but what made me think about this in this blog post was well yeah that's all well and good and you've made all that adaptation in seven days but what are you doing on day eight you know was that just did you just do that for an exercise to see well it's not actually leading you anywhere if you then stop doing burpees on day eight by day 14 you're probably back where you started so you know you got to think longer term, haven't you? And you got to be planning longer term. And I think going back to the, what you said about the um, sort of reverse engineering, if you've got a good, clear idea of what you need to do to get to the goal you want to achieve, you know, say if it's a spring marathon, that will put some people off. And I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that quite a few people who do too much too soon are, are not consciously, but subconsciously sort of undermining it so so that they don't have to do it they injure themselves very quickly but some people do genuinely want to do it but they just do too much or they they find those first days hard because they, you know uh, and then they talk themselves out of it and i think at least if you do the planning you know what's involved and you know what you're signing up for you've got a much more chance of getting there. and it, it might take out some of those people who you know are not truly signing up of going out running you know four or five days a week in the rain and whatever the winter's going to throw us. Um, so it might take some of those out, but those who genuinely do want to achieve that have got a much better chance if they do that, I think. Mm. I think it's, um, I said, this time of year is quite dangerous as well, because if you're on social media, what you see is a lot of these kind of uh, people already starting training camps and things like that, and they're getting into their 2023 training. And I think as an amateur, so most age groupers looking in, they're watching these kind of top age groupers or pros doing their training plans. And they're in, like you say, Mike, they're in the pool at 6 a.m. doing a 5K swim session. And then they're out in the afternoon doing a four hour bike ride. And then they're on the treadmill doing one kilometre repetitions off the bike and stuff like that. And they can see all of this. And that image is quite sexy. You know, people want to be, I want to be that person. I'm going to be up there in the pool and swimming 5k. This is my year. I'm going to be doing these 5k swim sets in the morning. I'm going to be doing those four hour bike rides in the afternoons. And But of course, they're watching something which to some extent is is unachievable. And if they if if they, if they even had the time to follow it and they tried to follow it, it's not going to last, you know. But most people don't have the time to follow it because they've got a full time job and a family and everything else. So I think probably one of the important things is that a lot of triathletes don't spend enough time on is just setting. I think you did mention it earlier on is just setting that realistic goal for what is manageable for you. Um, and of course, as we get older and, and, and uh, things change physiologically. But, you know, what is realistic? Because if you're watching a video of someone who's 
in Lanzarote at the moment, you know, they've posted something on Instagram and they're doing these big swim sets and big bike weeks. Sadly, whilst it looks amazing for a lot of people, that that isn't achievable. So what what is achievable for you? You know, what's realistic for you in a week? So uh, it, it's basic sports psychology, isn't it, Ian? That if you set your targets too high, um, if you set your goals too high and you want to do more swimming, biking and running than you're actually capable of doing or you have the time for, then you are simply setting yourself up for failure. And if you're failing to hit the targets that you put in your mind, then you are far less likely to be consistent. So perhaps the, the you know the, one of the first steps of setting that winter plan is being very realistic because it's a lot more motivating to hit a target which is you know maybe slightly less volume, slightly less hours, a much simpler, easier target to hit. If you hit it, you get a, you, you get positive feedback rather than setting a target which is probably a little bit out of your reach, failing to hit it, and then getting this negative feedback. Mm. And and it's it's also with those targets they. They, they don't need to be metric specific. Your target might be <clears throat> do 80% of my training because in previous years, I manage about 50%. Of course, if we, we need to adjust the plan accordingly, but have, have I hit 80% of my sessions? If the answer is yes, I don't care about the 20% you missed. We'll worry about that later. It's not it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, once you've, you know, a, a plan isn't always realistic initially circumstances change the plan might be incorrect so it, it's that ability to adapt review and change if needed i've got um i got a lady i'm working with right now who's a triathlete um we're probably fortunate in the way that she, she comes from a swimming background so it, it's a strength right now but um we've been training for two months together and she's messaged me already and gone I'm with work and family and the opening hours of the pool. I'm really struggling to get to the pool. And when I'm there, I'm not enjoying it. Is And I literally said, do you want to try, do you want to double down on your bike and your run for a couple of months and we'll leave the swim until, because she just loves being outside swimming. Shall we just catch up with the swimming at a later date? Of course, the dynamics of how we do that will change from our original plan, but shall we just bin it? And she went, oh, can I do that? I said, of course you can. If you, if you right now are finding it that tough to swim, let's work on the stuff you want to do because you're going to get them done. Yeah. So we, we've completely removed the one swim a week from a, a plan right now and we'll stick it back in another time. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think we talked about this in the previous podcast as well. The biggest thing that you ask any coach or you'll see the quotes all the time on social media and everywhere else, but the biggest thing to get better is just to train consistently. And if you train consistently, you will get better, irrelevant of the session content. And the way to train consistently is you can only force yourself to do something so many times before you get sick of it and want to stop. And you see a lot of triathletes, they go through the training year where it's this, we talk, I mean, you'll see the terms, it's just like hell where you're sacrificing and you're suffering to get the training done. You can't keep sacrificing and suffering. That's not a long-term solution. You know, you need to want to do it. You need to enjoy doing it. So if people, like you said, this the lady who who really, the, the swimming's getting her down that much, you drop the swim session, you do the stuff she enjoys, she will continue training. Because it's very easy to get into an all or nothing situation, isn't it, where she will look at the plan and think, oh, I hate this training so much because I have to do this swim session once a week and that's it, I'm just going to pack it in. Mm. Well, you don't need to pack it in. If you hate the swim session that much, drop the swim session and carry on doing the other stuff. Oh, and, and I think you, yeah, you, you yeah. mentioned it 
It's all this, it's it's psychology because the the conversation was very much around. Well, I, you know, I, it's a weakness if I have to drop it off. I'm a failure if I can't get along. No, it's not. It's a superpower. The fact we're being as honest about the things that we're finding difficult and we can work around them, fine. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a good sort of um, relationship to have to be able to make those adjustments with yourself. And and just Absolutely. now you don't worry. Let's let's just go out. Uh, another athlete wanted to um, tag along with a, a local runner that she knew on, on a particular run that wasn't scheduled in our sessions uh, the one's training for a trail marathon one's a, a shorter distance runner I was like well give it a go I don't think it's going to be long-term compatible because you're two different athletes with two different events mm-hmm. but if it's something you think will get you out the door to to do it give it a go and let's review in a couple of weeks yeah. might be that she comes around and goes nah it's not working and, and I'm happy for it to be dropped yeah, but but you know, I can't sit there and go. No, you have to do the things I tell you, or it's not going to. You know, it, it's not how it works, is it? No. And so that, that there's numerous things. That, you know, we're going back to this again. That consistency is key. I think we, as, as triathletes in particular, get too bogged down with the detail, don't they? So they start looking at the, the intricate details of the session. Whereas for most people, if they went and swam two to three times a week cycle two to three times a week and ran two to three times a week and did that consistently they'd improve and you know and probably perform really well this year but they get so bogged down with the intricate detail of in that session what should the power output be or the heart rate be or the intervals or whatever it may be and rather than getting bogged down the intricate stuff they just need to get out more consistently and go and you know maybe for the next couple of months your goal is just to swim bike and run two to three times a week and that's your only metric and whatever makes you get out there and do it, then that's what you should focus on. So like the lady you just said, if she wants to run with a friend and because that motivates her, she's more likely to get out because there's some accountability there. She's going to call on a friend at nine o'clock every morning. And they're going to run together. Then that's fine. Go and you know, run with that person. And, and because that if it gets them out the door, that's ticking that box of running two to three times a week. And interestingly, I saw something on, on, on Twitter the other day and someone posted something about it posted. Um, about asking a question of, of triathletes how do triathletes get around this common problem where you've got your training plan and um, you you your coach has told you not to train with other people you have to do your own train your own training plan because it's specific to you but every now and again you just want to go out for a fun ride or run with some of your friends how do you get around that problem and I remember thinking that's just the whole thing is just so absurd that, you know, of a coach saying you cannot go out cycling with your friends or running with your friends because this pro- you have to be cycling at this specific power output. So you can't train with us. You have to do it on your own and isolating people to train on their own. And, you know, the whole thing just seemed bizarre to me because I think the whole point in exercise is getting out there and enjoying it. And if that, if riding or running with others is what you enjoy the most, then then that's that's something that gets you out the door. That's what you should do, you know. But particularly now, this time of year, there may be a point in someone's training plan that we are saying, no, look, I want you to do these. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the point where you have to do a key session. You have to do your key sessions. But if you're just looking for consistency, if training with others is the thing that gets you out of the door, then go and train with others. You know, that's what you should do. Yeah. It, 
you just need at this time of year we just need that consistency we need people to get out and just do some hours and do some training mm-hmm. but when, whenever it's, it's, someone whenever an athlete says to me or a patient they mention the word consistency i always dig into them and say what's your understanding of that because it i think there's not many concepts where there's such a wide variation in people's understanding or beliefs around it some people it is that i can do a sub 20 minute park run every saturday morning Mm. that's their concept of consistency that i can do the same session every month if i want to and like well that's not really how i'm looking at consistency at this time of year no it's not how um endurance performance really operates you know if you want to but if someone just wants to keep operating at a similar level then that's those sort of objectives are fine but if you want to actually peak your performance then that's that's not how endurance performance works but i think um some of those aspects of psychology that uh, you know that we touched upon there i think are really interesting especially that one you know mark mentioned in sort of this idea of sort of sacrifice and having to do a thing it's almost like that you there's some additional benefit if you're doing something that is not enjoyable because I think, and, and to sort of dig into that, and you, when you listen to people following an event or leading up to big events, I think there's this feeling that, or certainly in some athletes, that if I do a lot of things that are not pleasurable, then I deserve something back in in payback. So, mm. or because I've invested so many things that are unpleasant, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on better because I'm not gonna let go of my objective during the race because I've invested so much in it. So this feeling that, you know, if I've enjoyed everything that I've done, then I haven't invested as much. It's, I mean, it's counterintuitive in terms of what we know in terms of what you need to motivate people long term. Because it's often similar, you know, another sort of something that you observe with those sort of motives is that once the main objective is out of the way, people stop. Because the the activity in itself is not the motivating factor. You know, you're doing lots of things that are not pleasurable then you you do the race uh, and then often if they haven't performed well there's this feeling of well it's unfair i didn't get what i deserved from it i invested all this in it whereas what you've got to focus much more on is actually doing things that you enjoy and that you get pleasure from in other those themselves and that takes pressure off the, the the event itself and we're going to start seeing um our main objectives uh, and mike touched upon this with his own training as, as motivators for our own training but it's the training itself that we're focusing on primarily we want to be physically active we want to be doing things that we enjoy regularly and having races gives us something to work towards that allows us to do that it's not that we're you know beating ourselves up for three or four months so that we then deserve a good performance out of it because all the focus is on the performance and that's just one day out of, you know, four months. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's how a lot of things are, isn't it? You know, it's all about, it's restriction, isn't it? You know, lose weight, it's restriction, it's suffering, it's punishment, it's putting yourself things that others won't so you can achieve things that they can't. And all of, and that, that psyche, it's just, it's okay for short periods of time. So it's probably the kind of thing you should be doing in the last 10 to 12 weeks before your big A race because there's only a certain amount of time scale that you can you can suffer and manage and sacrifice so uh, the rest of the time of the year you've got to got to want to do it you've got to be doing stuff you enjoy doing you've got to be self-motivated to go out of the door and do it 
So I remember someone, you know, we, we, we talk about periodization as that term from general to specific, isn't there? That periodization is general to specific. So in the you do more general training in the winter, and then as you come towards your race, the training becomes more specific towards a race. And I think that always works really well. That at this time of year, for me thinking about it that way, it's just general training. It's Mike just popping down into the gym in the morning and just doing a bit of strength work when he's got that 20, 30 minutes. It's just going out for a run with some friends. It's going out on the bike with some friends. It's getting in the pool when I've got the chance and just, you know, getting getting a bit of a swim done. The content and stuff doesn't matter too much. It's just that general phase. The specific stuff, which which we know at some point you're probably going to have to do something which is going to be very hard and you're not going to want to do it. And it's going to be quite stressful and it feels like you are punishing yourself and putting yourself, you know, through the ringer to get those things that you want to achieve. That's probably manageable for a shorter period of time. And that's probably the kind of thing you should be doing in the last phase before your big events. But motivation has become habit by that point. So now now it's far easier to do it anyway. You're into the routine now. And that's the key thing, isn't it? Mm. So you're, if we're saying, look, for now, just go and swim, bike, and run two to three times a week. You, once you've got that routine, you can add that detail later down the line because you're used to sw- swimming every Monday or you're used to cycling every Tuesday. Whatever the content is for that session, you can then change it. You can make it harder. You can put a bit of a suffer fest in there. But you're in the routine and the habit of exercising. Yeah, and a, a lot of that consistency or, or is about establishing habit so that it doesn't be it doesn't feel difficult every time you go out um and the more uh, we've talked about this before but the more you can integrate things into your lifestyle so like a run commute or biking to work but taking a detour to make it longer whatever it might be um or swimming going to the gym on your way to work or on the way back so that you're not then getting home and having to go out again the less less of these barriers that are in the way the more likely you are to to form those habits because you've got less barriers to them but i think I was thinking about habit earlier on some of our early conversations and I think another thing to think about at this time of year is often people have said to themselves so if they are finding you know you're finding that you haven't done much since September October and now you're having to start from a lower start point than you'd like to I think you, you know one important thing at the moment is acceptance that that's where you are you're not where you would have liked to have been but another thing that can help people with that acceptance is planning for the future because although habits are very useful and very helpful once we establish a routine I think on an annual basis because our lives are very affected you know on a month by month basis we associate our behaviors with the weather you know other things that are in the calendar like Easter and Christmas and so on and, and obviously the timing of our main races our habits can also be heavily influenced by the calendar year and we can find ourselves in that pattern where September, October, November, December we don't do a lot and that is going to take some effort and some planning for any one individual to change that if they want to find themselves in January next year at a higher start point but the planning for that needs to start in the coming months so that you know what am I going to do at the end of the race season this year that's going to be different uh, and, and planning for that and it might be about accommodating that in your training program for this year so that when you get to this point next year at a better point because I don't think we can just rely on habit to lead us through to January next year because it probably will other things in our lives will influence that um in ten- so we need to sort of disrupt that intentionally and plan for it I think yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah 
Well, I had, um, I, I had two quick ones that are physio-specific stuff. Um, although it's common sense, the first one particularly. Um, it, it is a time of year we pick up all the winter colds, bugs, viruses. People seem to be getting all the stuff that we've hidden away our immunity to for the last couple of years. So um, be careful managing that. It's better to miss days than than end up trying to come back too soon and miss weeks. So um, so, so so be sensible with those things and adjust things and you know, don't play catch up when you do get back and, and try and do things like that. And then the other one I'd put out there, and it's it's something I don't advocate everyone needs or has to get, but it is the time of year where um, where I'm a big fan potentially of the sort of MOT. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily need to be injury-specific stuff with a physio. It could be a, a sports scientist on a performance aspect or even a psychologist in whatever aspect you want to work. But certainly in, in, in my sphere, I've had um, a good example this week. So I've got a husband and wife couple. They're both cyclists. Um, no injuries per se, but their goals for 2023 have changed from previous seasons. They were more sportive type riders and they want to try and do some time trialing. They understand that the demands physically on the position, on the bike and things like that will be different. So we got them into clinic and, and it's not it's certainly not one of these off the shelf movement screens that people see. It's not a blanket test. It's an individually selected uh, assessment based on the needs for what they might have that season. And we've worked with both of these two to realize there are some things around things like thoracic rotation and mobility, hip flexor strength, where potentially we can improve their ability to perform in July and August. So while you're trying while you're trying to temper the urge potentially to drive forward with your train in this type of year, maybe some of that motivation can be directed into the accessory things that are still forward planning for the summer and beyond. But you probably have a smaller training volume right now and a little bit more available time, if your training plan's realistic, that is, to maybe delve into some of these other things. Potentially, it isn't a niggle or an injury that's pestered you for for seasons on end every time you ramp it up. So can you address those things now so that when you ramp it up, it's less of an issue? Yeah, yeah. Well, I am conscious that we've been talking for over an hour now. So I wonder whether we just maybe wrap it up with, do you want to do your top three tips? Hmm. Mike, do you want to go first? Yeah, go on. In. I would say um, top three tips is uh, consistency over intensity. That's that's the key thing. Um, understand that right now it's about trying to lay the foundation for what's to come, rather than you know we're trying to improve fitness right now, not prove it. And then finally, I think, and it's all a, a key theme with it all that. Um, if you have, uh, if you need a mantra to try and get you through the next couple of months controlled, slow progress is better than no progress, and that's that's the key thing I think that I that I want. And if you do do too much right now and you burn yourself out, you fall off the wagon, you pick up injuries, no progress will pop up quite quickly. Mm. So so slow progress over no progress. Ian. Yeah, I think the first one just to sort of take us back to where we started with sort of New Year's resolutions is probably if you are trying to follow New Year's resolutions at the moment, then uh, review those and identify, you know, are they consistent with where you want to be this year and uh, are they helping you achieve those goals? 
if not, then you know one of the things we talked about was important to be flexible uh, and be prepared to change that. So, you know, it's a is it? I would see it as a strength if you were prepared to say, well, actually, now my New Year's resolution isn't beneficial. So, if even if it means breaking my resolution, I'll change what I'm doing um, so that I'm I'm working towards where um, you know my my goals later in the year. Um, also, sticking to sort of New Year's resolutions, you know that. that People are very motivated generally this time of year. Um, so try to turn that into the, the good habits that we talked about. So use that motivation, but use it in a way that's sort of helping you to establish good habits um, that, that you can follow through into the rest of the year. And the other one is to sort of, uh, that last point I made in terms of reviewing where you're starting from this year. And if, you, if that is something, an area where you think you could make improvements next year, then put something down and put a reminder for yourself to look at that at the time where you think the poorer habits creep in, which is often sort of October time, so that you become aware of that and you can you can take action then. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mark, I should have thought, should have been thinking really rather than listening, shouldn't I? Um, with consistency again, which I know Mike's already said, we know that consistency is key. Mike made a point there about consistency over intensity. And I think that throws up another question there, doesn't it? Because we've talked about this in the past with this the trend for people to believe that high intensity work is the way forward. When for most people, it's really not. And there's probably a lack of aerobic work being done in most athletes. So, uh, you know, consistency is key, but don't undervalue that easy aerobic work. Um, I'd say the second thing is set yourself some realistic targets. So hitting lower targets you know hitting more manageable and easier targets and being successful at hitting them is always going to make you feel better than failing to achieve unrealistic targets because you've set yourself too many sessions or too much work and at this time of year if you're not enjoying it then there's probably something wrong then you can only sustain that for so long so let enjoyment dictate which way you go, whether that's riding the mountain bike rather than on the road, running the trails rather than the road, training with others rather than training with yourself. Whatever it is, use those things to manipulate it so you enjoy your training because enjoyment will always lead to consistency. Anything else? Oh, we good for me. Mm. Super. Well, we start a consistency. That's an interesting word, isn't it, when it comes to our podcast? Yeah, I, I think we, we, we throw it out there that we're, we're planning on 12, 12 in 20, one a month average. Yeah, one. Uh, I think that's uh, a realistic uh, goal, Mike. I think so. I think so. I yeah. think we, we can potentially, if we get uh, a couple of guests on back to back interviews, we might be able to do more. But I think if we can average one a month, we'll do all right. Perfect. Yeah. Well, on that note, then, we'll set our target for 2023. And um, thanks for speaking to you boys again. It's been an honour. It's been a very enjoyable hour. And we will we will speak again soon. Yeah. When was your, when was your birthday, Ian? Mine. Mine's in April. April. So, so episode five of this year, I'll be the only non-50-year-old on the podcast. That'll be interesting. That's right. Yeah. But uh, I'll tell you what, you two have an age well. <laughs> Paper no, round in fair, Ian, to, to be fair, Mike. Yeah, well, so so to be fair, Ian, you don't look fifty. I'm sure you did at one point, but you don't look fifty. Yeah, not anymore. I look younger when I'm dressed as an elf. Yeah. <laughs> right. No problems. 
Cool. See you later. Bye-bye. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for listening to the show today. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow myself uh, via the Endurance Store at Endurance Coach. You can follow Mike, the Endurance Physio, at the Endurance PT. And you can follow Dr. Ian Bordley at MD Sport X. That's MD Sport EX. Uh, you can also visit our website. You can visit theendurancestore.com, which is a local running shop near Wigan. And uh, we also offer the Endurance Coach testing and coaching services. And also just check out sportsinjuryfix.com, where you can find a sports injury specialist near you. Speak to you soon. <laughs>